Hello and welcome to Open All Ours, the QBR podcast. I am David Fraser. There are four of us here tonight. Um, let's go, I would say go round the table, but what do we call it? Go round the Zoom board, something like that. Um, with us, well, C- Chris, you laughed. You just sniggered at that joke, so I'll introduce you first. Okay, uh, thank Chris, you. Chris Charles from BT Sport is here with us. Hello, Chris. Hello, how are you? How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm checking out everyone's hair here. What are we? Oh, uh, yeah. Mine's 11 weeks in. Mine's getting a bit wiry now. I have got clippers, though, but um, my uh, my daughter keeps refusing to cut it for me because she can't be bothered. But she's a teenager, and that's what teenagers do. So uh, I'm I'm being forced. I have got, I've got, got my hat with me. So I'm, if I'm ever out and about, I'm wearing my QPR bobble hat. Um, there you go. Very good. Very good. Uh, and also here is surely on cue to make a joke about his hairline is Paul Finney. Paul. No joke of matter, David. I haven't got any. How are you? There, there it is. Yep. yep, yep. Bold, getting bolder and more bolder as the day goes by. And what can you do? You get old and then that's it. Life's over. Anyway, yep, I'm all right. Yourself? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm all right. I am all right. Actually, let me... On that, Paul, are you okay? Because we need to be asking everyone if they're all right at the moment. I'm all right. It's a bit miserable, isn't it? But is everyone actually all right? Yeah, I'm working away, driving around London, listening to podcasts, listening to music. I had a cure day today, so I'm just listening to everything by the cure. And um, yeah, it's all right. Listen, you know, as long as we come out of this whole thing unscathed and alive, we've done okay, as far as I'm concerned. Very good. Uh, Good. I'm glad to hear it. The fourth one of us is um, we have Alan Charles with us, who's been on the podcast before. How are you, Alan? Uh, very good, thank you. Yeah, very good. You, I must ask, maybe I'm stepping into territory here that I will immediately regret, but the name in the corner of your Zoom screen says Al and Al. It does are indeed. Two, uh, because there are two Al's? <laughs> uh, yeah, my wife's name is Alison, so uh, we share it, that's, so it's the easiest way to do it. That's the <laughs> Simple explanation that I didn't think about. Okay. Um, right. I can think of Let... something funnier later for you, say. No, no, that's, that sounds good to me. Right. So thank you, as usual, to everybody that supports the podcast. It's always appreciated. Um, we've got two sponsors this week. The beer sponsor is John Dore. John says, love the show and look forward to mutual suffering each week. I think... That is a different type of podcast altogether, John, but thanks very much (laughs) for that and the support. And the sponsor of the podcast is John Cook of The Good Ship. So being a supporter of the podcast and in the days when we could do live shows and do them together, we did many years at The Good Ship pub in Kilburn. And he's an all-round good egg as well as John. Lovely fella. an all-round good egg. He wants us to give a shout out to the Brighton-based QPR Supporters Club on Facebook, which he has started up. So if you're, nice in, Brighton, if you're in Brighton, you can go on Facebook and find like-minded people. But no, we won't give them a shout out, John. But thanks for the <laughs> podcast. 
Anyway, thank you to everybody that does continue to support the podcast. You can listen to old episodes on qprpod.co.uk. Keep in touch with us on Facebook and we're also on Twitter. Not quite on TikTok yet, but who knows? <laughs> Maybe we will be one day. Um, I've now witted on for five minutes, avoiding the inevitable discussion about QPR versus Barnsley last night. Now, it's, 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 it's a very serious time because by my reckoning, we haven't won a game for 12 days now. <laughs> so it's uh it's to get serious. yeah i was quite used to that finney can i just check how you're feeling about the playoffs now on course <laughs> just not this season well um, you know what it's it's what i'm listen listen this podcast is not for a crisis okay it's um it's to cheer everyone up and hopefully I'm still positive. We just need a couple of teams to lose around us. Swansea to do a nosedive, Brentford to do a nosedive, everyone to lose, and we've got half a chance. I think we need to win. I think we need to win 11 of our last 14. We need to win 11 of our last 10 to qualify. Yeah. (laughs) Do you know what? We'll probably win win 10 of them and lose to Wickham. Yeah. But it is, as we said before, it's the the hope that kills you or the the hoops that kill kill you to use that well-worn pun. Um, I mean, I I was with Finney. I didn't, my heart of hearts, I wasn't thinking we're going to get to the playoffs. But the more you keep winning, the more you, well, for me personally, the more you're looking at the games, you're thinking, right, if we win the two games in hand, we're only four points behind Bournemouth. And then... If we if we could be yeah they're winnable they're winnable and you start, I suppose that's what a football fan is you you dream don't you You've got to have a dream um, and against Preston I thought okay that was one of the games I'd earmarked that could be a banana skin um, but Birmingham I was really confident you know like 80th minute we'd obviously had that sitter um, sitter miss by Johansson which could have could have buried it but I was I wasn't I wasn't thinking for any money in the world that they were going to equalise. It just wasn't in my head. So when they equalise and then score another one, I mean, ah, yeah, I, I felt worse than that than I did against Barnsley because I couldn't see what, how we were going to lose that game. Before last night's game, they had five wins on the spin, team in form, um, and I thought we were going to have problems against them. But equally, if, we, if, we, if we'd nick that win against Birmingham... Um, you going in on the back of the win might have been a different story, but yeah, let's be fair. They completely mullered us last night. I think the thing yeah. is, I, I didn't see I didn't see Burnham on Saturday too much because I'm selling my car at the moment, and I told the idiot that I was selling it to, or thinking of selling it to, not to come between three and five, and he turned up twice between three and five, so he got told to fick off. And by the time I'd done that, I'd missed the um, the two Burnham goals. So as far as I'm concerned, it'd be one one nil. So on course to the playoffs and happy days. Um, no, it's just, listen, we said it last week, if we're going to lose anyone, it was going to be Birmingham because that's QPR. That's what we do. Isn't that right, Chris? You know, all these years of supporting this club and, you know, you just know that, you know, Birmingham, actually, I think the, the people who are more upset they won was Birmingham players who clearly hit the manager with a passion and don't want him there. Um, they'll be devastated. But you know what? Barnes last night, you've got to hold your hands up. Much better side. Um, kind of decide QPR should be if we do everything properly, bloody bloody blah, or want to be, or recruitment wise. And you got to you got to give them credit. You know they they got no budget, they got no money, and they've got a hell of a team there. And they'll probably make the playoffs. And you'd have to fancy them to do okay in the playoffs. Obviously, they will 
maybe not go up. But fair play, and you know, it, it, they, they done us last night. There's no two ways about it. We were right thought tactically, physically. We were we were a little bit beaten up on the pitch, and um, we missed some chances. But then again, we didn't have a shot in the second half to the 90th minute, which isn't really good for a home mm. match. But um, I'm, I am starting now after giving Dykes a lot of support, and we still should. I'm getting quite worried that his confidence is now so far down the road. It's practically at White City Tube Station because he's just, yeah, I feel for the lad. It's, it's just not happening. How about you, Alan? Yeah. Well, I, I thought it was inevitable that we'd probably uh, lose last night again, given the form that Barnsley were in and the way that they're organised. <laughs> they're, they're using their players to their level of ability in a way that really frustrates teams that are playing them um, and it, it, it's not you know it's not a, a skills levels issue it's using people to do the things that they're good at uh, and I wonder sometimes part of our naivety is that we're trying to play a system with some people that can't fit into that system and, and, and they struggle to step out of it so when we do go one down it's a real struggle to you know get themselves back in the game heads may be up and they may get trying hard enough but um, it's just not everybody's, you know, not necessarily all in the right place doing the right thing. And I think we could probably do a lot better by uh, giving people a bit more of an open open run at, uh, at their, their own skills. And that might help Dykes as well, get him to play where he wants to play, not necessarily where the manager thinks he should. But, um... Where do you think he should play? This is my well, so I, I think that you take the pressure off him by making him the holding player. Um, and I think he can do that, back to goal, hold it up, yeah. and then let people run through. Now, that, that he's got the strength to do that. Then the expectation of scoring is not necessarily so high on his, on his, you know, his agenda because you can see how he's contributing to the team. Um, that might bring him back to you know, where he needs to be. That would be my view. But... Why, I think you've got... You, we've, we've got on, sorry, David. No, I'm just wondering if, where would be if he and Lauren <clears throat> actually could get something going. Do you know what I mean, David and, and Chris and, and Alan? Because it's a lot of money we spent on both of them. It hasn't really worked, but I, I, I really hit giving up on players. And I think that's a good show to back to goal, to use his strength, to be a bit more dirtier, and, and then just give it to Charlie, who can, you know, obviously doesn't do much but finish, which is what you, you want him to do, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. And I just think as well, everyone's. The thing the system we play is when it works, as we've seen the last few games, because let's not be too miserable, as in me personally. We've won a lot of games that we didn't expect to win. When the mm. system works, it's brilliant. When it goes pear-shaped, it goes pear-shaped. And it's just, maybe we're still trying to find the squad that can work within that. But I want Dyke's Bourne to work because we don't know what's going to happen with Austin, mm. whether it be here next season or not. So we need these players to come good so we can build for next season. Um, maybe give Willock more game time as well. I don't know. I, I'm just confused to what we're going to be doing towards the end of the season for next season and what we're building for. But I guess as long as we finish above 13th, it's been a good season. When when Charlie Austin came on here a few weeks ago, he talked about both Bomb and Dykes being really low on confidence. And I think Bon has scored once since that interview, but I don't think Dykes has scored at all since that interview. They both seem low on confidence. I One of the factors that I don't think helps is the addiction to substituting them and not giving them 90 minutes. I, I would love to see the stats. 
but which everyone seems to start never gets the full 90 minutes. And I was thinking about what that probably does to you and what that probably does to your confidence, because we all know on Saturday, if Dykes starts up front and he hasn't scored by 75 minutes, he's being pulled. It happens every week. And so the players must know that. And so does that in a roundabout sort of way actually not help and put them under more pressure? Because it's so predictable that they're getting pulled. Are they then becoming more and more anxious and not getting themselves in the right positions and not making the same runs because they don't think I've got a score, I've got a score, I've got a score, or I'm coming off the pitch? Because I can't remember a game where that hasn't happened. I don't know why they keep why they're not being given a 90 minutes it's, at all. It's part of it, though, not to do with the current situation that you know games every three days trying to keep trying to keep players fresh I mean could that could that be a bit of it but at the same time oh, yeah, yeah I get this but if if, if you if you haven't scored for 75 minutes and you haven't looked like scoring then then there is an argument for taking you off as well yeah but it's now a systemic pattern that Warburton doesn't have confidence in them because they will be coming off if they haven't scored so I, how I think rather than uh, so I think you got to look at the record. I think you, you guys are better with stats than I am. I'm a flipping bin when it comes to these things. But I think Dykes has scored one goal from up and play all season. And to yeah. get into March this stage, that's that's a worry. But I, I, do you know what, David? I agree. I mean, do, do you keep giving them games? Do you take them at the fine line and put the, the, the lad Kilman in from South End, give him a goal? So he can't do any worse, surely. Uh, Bond seems to disappear. I don't know. It's 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 a trick because you look at Charlie Austin, Alan and, and Chris and, and you think, but he doesn't do anything spectacular. But he reads the game. He, like the goal last night was a typical striker's goal. He read it. Mm-hmm. He stood. He banged it. Goal. Same at Bone and Saturday. He just reads the game. Is Bond and Dykes trying too hard? Are they not getting the right positions? Is it? Conf- I don't know. But it's it's not working. And to remedy that, unless they start scoring goals. I think, yeah. Bond get, I think Bond gets it's in the a, right positions. He just doesn't, he, when he's in the position, he just doesn't finish it. Unfortunately, I noticed that a couple of times. He's, as for Charlie, yeah, he's, yeah, you're right. He's bang on that, that striker's instinct. And also the fact that when, you know, he missed a decent chance last night and didn't, didn't let his, didn't, didn't let that worry him. Didn't, his head didn't go down. He's sort of got that experience. He could shrug it off. Whereas the, the miss for Dykes, you know, when that happened, maybe thinks, Christ Almighty, this is, you know, this is mm-hmm. this is never going to happen. I think it's 24 hours in total since he last scored, um, uh, which is, which is a, a bit of a crazy stat. Um, but yeah, at some point, though, I mean, there is an interest in talking to stats. I saw on one of the websites, um, Armstrong for Preston, the first season he was there, he got five goals in 44. This season, he's got 19 in 31. So mm-hmm. there is the other the other side of the coin there. There is... The fact that they are bedding in this season and that maybe, you know, maybe things like like you said earlier on, if they're in a different system, if they're playing to their strengths, maybe maybe they can turn it around. But if they're not scoring between them, you've got to wonder at some point, you know, how, how long do we persist with this? Do we need to bring somebody else in in the summer? Do we give Kelman an extended run? I, th- I think what, Warburton what, needs to do what, sorry, I think Warburton needs to do what Warburton is not very good at doing, which is changing something that's not working. And we've seen this repeatedly with him throughout the season. We saw it with the goalkeepers and eventually he changed the goalkeepers and it started working. And we've seen it with the 4-4-2 and eventually he changed it. 
to three at the back or five mm-hmm. at the back, whichever way you want to categorise it. And it started working. And maybe now he needs to change what he's doing with the strikers, which I guess he did to an extent with Austin, but um, needs to change it more. Sorry, Alan, I talked over you. Well, I was, I was going to say, one of the observations I've made, and it's very difficult when you're not at games live, um, is I have observed that since Austin's been there, Bon and Dykes have managed and started to be much better at being anticipating where they should be. So they're getting more chances. In fact, they're not putting them away is a difficult problem, but they are getting more chances than they had previously. Um, and what we don't see on a television screen is what movement there is outside of the field of play, because you're obviously only seeing what's going on in, in and around the guy that's got the ball. So there's probably some other stuff that we don't see that the manager does. Not, not that I want to defend his lack of changing things, because perhaps he should. Maybe Ch- Ch- Kelman is a shout. Um, but the other, the other thing that, that um, probably around the midfield area so we've seen field and we've seen Johan make a massive difference to our fight in midfield and I think this season and I like chair I've been very disappointed about the chances he's creating and maybe he needs a little bit of a break as well and that might help things as well you know because you get a different um, uh, you know delivery mechanism coming up so uh, you know that was, that was my thought but we don't see enough of what's off the ball when not at a game I think when I think one, one thing to, to say is that now unless we win those 11 games, it looks like the playoff dream is over. When we get, if and when we get those four wins, that takes us to the um, the magical 52 points that Holloway always talked about. Maybe then's the time that you can start giving Kelman a bit more game time or start, but as you say, you know, that's the frustrating thing. Will he, will he start trying different things out or is he just going to plough the same furrow? Because I think, you know, when we've been, like the last, the, the, the four games before the three that have just gone, when we're at our best, we're up with a couple of additions, notably a left back, because that was very poor last night. That goal, that first goal we conceded, I think we could probably do well. We let a decent left back go, obviously. Um, well, decent going forward, anyway. Um, a left back, maybe another striker if that team doesn't work, and bringing those players back. And I think we've got a, a sniff next season of, of, of actually being top 10 at least. I think the key is going to be holding on to Dickey. Um, Barbet has been excellent recently. Um, Kane in a back three, three centre halves works better. Um, mm. But we, we can't seem to get the strikers firing apart from Austin, who will score all day long as long as you give him the ball. But the thing is, what you don't want, Chris, and that is, is the season to pitter out like I did last season. You know what I mean? You get you get your safety points and you sit in your hole and then just hope that you can you can get through it. Um, we need to finish the season with a wee bit of a a wee bit of a, an uplifting few games. We're not going to make the playoffs. We're not going to get relegated, hopefully, and just finish it and maybe give... I'd like to see Kelman get some game time. I don't I don't know why he's not getting it because, it, it, you know, it doesn't matter how old you are. As long as you know where the net is, you'll find it at some point and let's see what he can do. I'd like to see Willock play Maud's game. I'd like to see maybe Ball take it out for a little while and put Field in. There's little things. I mean, three weeks ago, we were, we were absolutely loving this side. I'm not going to lose hope in them. But I think the the games have caught up with us, and we maybe need to just switch things around a wee tiny bit. Um, we can't just rely on on Dicky and and Dang Tiang to, to to pull us out of the um the shitter every five minutes, which is what they're doing. And last night you can see the pressure suddenly getting to the um, the wee man and the, the keeper as well because he made a couple of errors that he wouldn't normally do. So 
Mm. Yeah, just just we've got to take these defeats to the chin, but learn and develop for next season. That's surely what the year is for now. But the frustrating thing for me is that, again, you don't want to knock it because you know we've been the four games before this last week we've been we've been excellent. But is that Barnsley are operating on the same, if not smaller, budget than we are? And Massively smaller, Chris. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they've, they've you know from being um, well. All, Apart, apart from uh, the, the Wigan thing, they would have been relegated, the Wigan points deduction, uh, to suddenly, you know, roaring into playoff contention. And and I think the average age is like, is, yeah, 24, maybe, something like that, 25, um, maybe even less than that. And I don't know, everybody everybody seemed to know what they were doing. And every time, you, whether you had the, whichever, wherever, wherever in the pitch you had the ball, you seemed to have eight of them around you. And they were just like running up and down, it would, and and I thought, well, you know, after after an hour, they're just going to get tired and fall off. But he, he, he used the substitutions well, brings on an, an entire new forward line, and they're at you again. It's just absolutely relentless. And for all that though, we had ten shots on target, I think, and so we we weren't out of it at all. And at two, at one all, I thought it could go either way. But yeah, I, I, second half, Chris, was one shot towards the end, which is disappointing. Maybe what would you, how? I, how do we motivate the second half? Do you know what I mean? Because in the first half we were in it. Second half, I didn't think we were in it as much as we should have been. I know, and we were. You know, we You know, the, like you say, these games are caught up up with us. We're clearly quite tired. But why aren't Barnsley? Do you know what I mean? Um, and I, I think as well. I don't know. Maybe, maybe we should be using the substitutions better. I'd like to see Adoma given a start as well. I thought he added a bit of composure when he came on last night. I'd like to see everyone. I know this sounds like paradoxical. I'd like to see a lot of players given a lot more time, actual minutes. There's so many players don't seem to be given very much time on the pitch. Adoma is not given that much time. Willock even is not given that much time. The two strikers I've just talked about, he he he, he doesn't persist with players for quite long enough. I think really to always bring out. Uh- and, and and obviously the opposite of that is that Wallace and Cameron, who are the oldest, are playing ninety minutes. Yeah, you know, yeah. so it yeah, it, it's it's a bit of a weird one to be fair. Then, I mean, Cameron. I, sorry, sorry, I was going to say, unfortunately, Wallace, unfortunately, Hammerlinen hasn't has looked a bit shaky this season, so he's maybe not confident enough in him. Mm, uh, and we haven't show. really got we haven't really got anyone else to come on. Um, but yeah, Cameron, yeah, is a is is a weird one. Mm. The uh, thing I'm about gonna, the, I, sorry, the thing about Hannah is is there's a good player. I don't know what you think. Uh, but there's a good player in there, but it's he it, it just needs he needs to go to see the Wizard of Oz and, and get some bravery. Perhaps I don't know what it is. There's just one little bit of his game that's missing that will that will help him, and and they need to work on that because he's a good player there. It's just not happening again. Just not clicking. I think it was courage, wasn't it? The lion got his courage. But the wizard... I don't know. I've got COVID brain, David. I don't know what I'm saying half the time. Bear with. Didn't the The wizard turn out to be a fake? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he did. Hmm. Sorry, Alan. The curious one for me with game time is Willock. Because every time he comes on, he makes such a fundamental difference to the flow of the the flow of the game, the flow of the passing. Um, and, and you can actually physically see that change within moments of him coming on. 
So mm. it's, it's really odd that um, it, he must be fit now. I understood it probably at the beginning that um, I've had enough game time prior to joining us, but um, his physical fitness must be at a point where he could easily play 90 and, minutes now. So um, And he could do a wing-back role easily as well. He's, he's got that in him. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to move us on now. Um, so we, we've talked about sort of the game since the last podcast, uh, but there's been some uh, not great news this week, some very sad news, um, which, of course, as most fans will be aware of, is the passing of Glenn Roder, who played a huge part in our history. Um, I'm pleased to say I'm too young to have seen him in the flesh, <laughs> but I know I am amongst, I walk amongst fans here who have seen him. So, I, and I think we should um, market and we want to market and kind of talk and reminisce. And also uh, for younger fans who won't have seen Glenn Roder for the club to sort of let them know really the impact that he made. So, Chris, you're, you, you, you watched Glenn Roder when he was at QPR? Yeah, I mean, I was only about two at the time, obviously. Right. <laughs> no, you won't. <laughs> you're no, older than me. It's... Uh, <laughs> It's a, it's a very easy thing to, to do when someone um, when someone unfortunately passes on, especially, I mean, it's horrendous for Glenn. We all know he had illness for a long time. Um, 65 is really no age at all to go. But it's very, um, it's very easy to start lavishing praise on someone and sort of rewriting history a bit, you know, because they've died, making them out to be better than they were. But I think in Glenn's case, um, that isn't the case at all. He was... He was one of the best captains we've ever had, without a shadow of a doubt. He had the fans, the fans, the players. Um, you, you could tell everyone had got respect, admiration for him. I mean, he wasn't a he wasn't a loud mouth. He wasn't falling out of nightclubs, you know, every other week. But he had this authority on the pitch. You could see it. He's and he, he also the first bloke to do a step over, as I recall. That was with one of his little tricks. Had this sort of. Uh, ran really upright because he's obviously very tall, had this sort of weird running style and used to chuck in a little step over now and again, which is at the time everyone's going, what's he doing? But obviously, you know, roll a few years later and uh, everyone's doing them. But he's a classy defender as well. He, I mean, he led us to our only FA Cup final, 1982, captain the side. And as we all know, you know, we had we, we had the one all there. Um, on the, the replay, got that that early penalty from Glenn Hoddle, but we were far the better team. So he was unlucky. And in fact, Glenn missed the, missed the replay because he was suspended. So you never know with him in the team then, you know, we could have, we could have uh, actually lifted that trophy, but yeah, he, he, I can't remember how many games must've been. God, 150, maybe I, I can't, I, I don't know the exact number. I was looking earlier. I think it was around somewhere around hundred and I want to say a hundred, and yeah oh here we go i've got it here 157 so you're not oh, far, well, wasn't far off um mm -hmm. but yeah I, I beautiful player to watch great great bloke by all accounts and as i say commanded respect from players and fans alike so yeah he's going to be sorely missed alan you watched him i i yeah i saw him play i echo all of the comments that, uh, that chris has made there and um the, the shuffle was uh, the step over was a, a marvelous <laughs> thing to see, and it, it certainly bamboozled a lot of the uh, players on, on the other team. As you say, they sort of stand still and go, "Did you see that?" <laughs> yeah. um, and it was uh, it was a 
it was a very, very curious thing. I mean, actually, going back to what we were talking about a little while ago, he didn't have the best of starts uh, with the Rangers, and he wasn't a great fan's favourite. You're right, yeah, you're right, games. yeah. He had a lot... He had a lot of trouble with the manager at the time as well. So uh, he found it very difficult to get game time. Uh, and if I remember rightly, he spent probably nearly the best part of a year in the reserves um, when we still had a reserve you know, league at that stage. Um, so he, he made, it was very difficult for him to break through. But when he did, he certainly made friends. And that, um, you know, it's, it was, it's just such a shame that uh, you lose people like that because his coaching skills as he moved forward were excellent as well. And you, seen the comments from players that uh, worked with him over the years and they've been uh, nothing but positive. So uh, a great shame, but he was a fantastic player, but had that poor start. But uh, Yes, you right. I've got to give totally people a chance. So I was rewriting history a bit there myself, having said all that. But yeah, I, I've, I've yet to find anybody to say at any of the clubs he was at to say a bad word at him about mm-hmm. him. Uh, and obviously, I remember like when he was at West Ham. That was when he had the, the, that was the brain tumor, wasn't it? When he was taken ill, um, and he wasn't very old then at all. And to be honest, I hadn't I hadn't realised that he'd been unwell for, for this many years. Time. Yeah. yeah, many years. Um, well, yeah. Well, the thing about the thing about as well with Glenn Rudder is that you know he, he probably should have been capped a bit more as well when he did get the, the time at QPR that he deserved. I mean, I watch listen. I was in Ireland then. Um, the only time I seen QPR was on the big match when they did the odd one from London and the gigs. We used to, they used to do different variations of the big match. And the FA Cup final was the first time I seen QPR live. Um, and he just looked magnificent as a player. Um, nothing seems to phase him. He wasn't dirty. He wasn't a kicker in the stands. He, he was just a classy defender. And if it had been German, he probably would have had a lot more caps than perhaps the English game might not be ready for him. But... By all accounts, as everyone said, it's just what a nice fellow. When, when players that you've managed turn around and tell you what a wonderful person you were, because I don't think, I think you're right, Chris, he wasn't a shouter, was he? And I think you took that into management with him, and maybe that was the way management is. He, he, he just did things by not being an arse and being kind and, and developing players. And I just feel for his family, because 65 is nothing. It really is nothing. And, um, you know, we've lost Ray, we've lost Alan, we've lost him. You know, it's just Michael Robinson, James, you know, it's just... Uh, and, and these aren't all players, you know. These are only players in the, the 80s and 90s. It's, uh, it's it's horrible. I just feel for his family. Sorry, I'm rambling. No, that was well rambling. Um, well, so, uh, yeah, on behalf of all of us, of course, RIP to Glenn and thoughts with his family um so moving on um there's one thing before we got to the r's end i wanted to sort of bring up with you guys and see what you thought did you see this story earlier in the week about charlie austin and jeff cameron having an Uh, argument (laughs) a disagreement david i think it's called so this was charlie austin on talk sport of which he is on regularly. Um, and I haven't actually listened to him, but having seen him on here, probably got quite a good broadcasting future ahead of him when he eventually retires from football. We are talking about dressing room arguments. And he said that at the end of the game against Birmingham, him and Jeff Cameron had a huge argument in the dressing room, during which um, Stefan Johansson came in and diffused the situation 
by taking responsibility for the defeat. This is not a quote from Stephanie Hansen. This is Charlie Austin saying that okay. Stephanie Hansen did it. Um, and then he kind of went on to talk about how this is healthy. What in football? What did everyone think about that? I, I, I'm not certain if I was Jeff Cameron or Stephanie Hansen or Mark Wolverton, I would be that happy <laughs> about Charlie Austin airing. I won't say dirty laundry in public, but airing our laundry in public. Ooh. Um, I guess it shows a passion in the car. I mean, you can see Charlie last night when they scored their first goal. He was absolutely bollocking and Wallace for hanging on to play rather than jumping. I guess Charlie Austin wears his heart in his sleeve. He, he will say things as he finds them. Should it be kept in the dressing room? Who knows? I don't know. Um, but I'm sure... Yeah, they're both very focal. I'd, yeah, see, I never thought of it like that before, dear. If that's an interesting way of looking at it, should it be kept in the dressing room? Should we not know about these things? It's an interesting <laughs> way. But at least it shows a care, I guess. They're prepared to go toe-to-toe with each other. I think you know, I'd rather that than just going home and jumping in the car and driving home. Did you think they didn't care before hearing that? No, no what I mean is other players years ago, you know, they would come off, go in the shower, jump in the car, drive off home. At least there's responsibility to be asked, to be taken, to be to be put upon people. So why did this happen? That they're actually caring. The, the, the criticism of QPR sides in the past, not this one, is that they just shrug your shoulders and let defeat happen. At least it shows that they don't let that happen now. There's there's, there's arguments. Whether it's good or bad, I don't know. I think it's quite refreshing, to be honest. Um, we don't normally get to hear that sort of stuff until it sort of trickles out um, and is leaked by somebody and and I think that is worse. That can create disharmony. I think. I think. I don't think Charlie. He's, he, I don't think Charlie put the boot into any of the players. I don't. You know, he didn't. Um, he didn't slag them off. He just said, you know. And and so they should be. You know, the Birmingham game, like I said earlier. I mean, that was so difficult to take because we seem to be cruising there. And 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 um, yeah, it was just just unfathomable that we, we we managed to lose that and i think you're right what you said Finney, and, they, and you know then people will be true there will be inquests in the dressing room trying to find out what happened um i think that's only natural they had a go uh, at each other verbally by all accounts but you know who knows it might have been a bit of pushing and shoving whatever um johansson has uh has stepped in and said look lads if i missed that sitter then you wouldn't be doing this and they both went yeah fair point actually <laughs> Um, but I, I don't think anyone's come come um, come out of this badly. I think Johansson's held his head, held his hand up, took responsibility for, for for missing that. But no one's really having a go at him anyway because he's been done so well since he got here that you can't really slag him off for that. And the other two are basically showing showing their passion for the game and sorted it out. I, I don't the, see a problem. The, the cynic in me says that whilst no one has come out of it badly. Austin has come out of it letting you all know that he thinks uh, Cameron and Johansson were responsible for the defeat at Birmingham and he wasn't. <laughs> yes. But maybe I'm being super, super simple. Well, I, mean, I you think can, you're right. You, you can, I mean, it's, you, there's no hiding from it. If Johansson had scored that goal, he would have won the game. So you can blame <laughs> him for it. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I think it's, it's probably always better to know a bit more and kind of to well, understand I, I a think, bit more I, than that. I less, think we should ask the wisest man amongst us. Would it happen in earlier years, um, Alan, or do you think it's okay? Oh, absolutely. It happened in earlier years. I mean, you, and it was quite widely broadcast. There were always uh, set twos in, uh, 
in the changing rooms, not not only in your own one, often uh, going across to the other side. If you were, I remember a fantastic one with uh, Francis Lee and um, David Webb, where they really? uh, were in, like, had to be dragged apart by the police at some point. But uh, it was, uh, you know, it was a right thing, and you know, people just said what they had to say, like any other industry. If you're unhappy, you let it out. But I think I, I think that's good. I don't think you should let things fester in the dressing room because I think that's mm. what creates divisions. Uh, Get it oh, out there and deal with it. But that we're not talking about that. Like, it, of course, it has to come out in the dressing room. It's should that then be told? Should that story then be told publicly? So the question I, really was: should the should the stuff in the dressing room stay in the dressing room? Not should you bring that stuff out in the dressing room? Because I would say I would be surprised if anyone would disagree with that. I, I, it depends what it is, really. I don't. Th I, I don't think. I, I, I don't see anything wrong with that at all. I, like like we said earlier, it's shown that there's passion. People cared about the defeat. They're playing for the shirt. No one, you know, no one on that team, you know, it doesn't. No one on that team looks as if they don't want to win a game. Um, and and yeah, you might be right. I mean, Charlie might have come out of it looking better, but you know, um, Charlie Austin is like. Uh, uh, pulled this team up by their bootstraps for the last few weeks. So if he wants to do that, then that's fine with me. Mm. You know the most shocking thing I ever heard from the dressing room years ago, and it wasn't that, that Mario Melnesi wore a wig. No, I never <laughs> knew yeah. that. Yeah. No yeah. way. <laughs> yeah. No, I never knew that until someone pointed it out to me. So yeah, that was quite well, shocking. The, the greatest dressing room leak, not QPR related, but I mean, look it up if you can't remember, is how Niall Quinn, I think it was, recounted Roy Keane's um, dressing down of Mick McCarthy in 2002 when they were at the World Cup, which is sort of stuff of legends. And I think it ended with, you were a crap player and now you're a crap manager. And that is... <laughs> He's not, not doing so bad at the moment, old Mick, is yeah. he? Yeah, true. true. To be, fair, true. To be fair to Mick, he could actually follow up Roy Keane now and say, hey, I don't work out for you, that management lock, while you're in Sky every Sunday. Mm -hmm. true. Very true. Uh, right, I'll end. Um, so, anything you still want to say, bring up, we haven't talked through on the podcast. Who wants to go first? Chris, you've always got one very well prepared. Have I? Okay. Uh, yeah, I did write something down. Um, uh, but I think we've already covered it. Yeah, it was the Charlie Austin thing. So, um, yeah, I, I, yeah, we'll, we'll stick with Austin then. I, I, um, I th yeah, he won the player of the month, which I think... Um, in any other month, uh, Dieng would have would have walked that, but I think Austin deserved that, not just for his goals. I just think, you know, for his presence on the field, his talking on the pitch, and like I said, you know, five minutes ago, he, he he's dragged the team, he's dragged the team up. Maybe not single handedly. There's more factors than that to it. And and I just hope that we can we can um, keep him on next season, one way or another. Uh, maybe we could do what Derby do and get someone to sponsor his wages, uh, like they do with Rain, Wayne Rooney. Um, but yeah, I think we should we, we should try and keep him on. The room I saw rumours in the press that he it's already been decided that you know he, we're going to do a deal with West Brom for two years and then he's going to move into coaching. But I mean that's just paper paper talk. I don't know how true that is, but yeah, I I, I would. Um, I would pull out all the stops to keep him if we can, if it's financially viable. Um, and the second one I was going to say, uh, Nick London that has been, 
you know, uh, familiar face to everyone this season, a uh, familiar voice. I familiar voice, yeah. Familiar voice to everyone this season. I've got no idea what he looks like. Um, um, and and he's been doing a great job with the commentary, but <clears throat> I was a bit miffed last night. He kept going on and on about Barnsley. And then, you know, they've not been there since 1950, now two in a row at home. And I was like, oh, God's sake, I, I, I don't want to hear the name Barnsley ever again, at least for the next 10 weeks. But So, Nick, love you, but please, next time, don't go on about the opposition so much. I watched it on Sky last night. Is it? Does that mean I paid for it when I didn't need to? It's all very confusing about when Sky do and don't show it on the red button. But last night... They showed it on the red button. Hang on a minute. Am I? I'm not. Um, am Have I, I rocked your world here? I think oh. I've rocked your world here. Yeah, it's very inconsistent, but most midweek games are on the red button. But I will say it's not as good as the website because it's not in HD and they don't show replays, and it's usually only one camera. So it is. It is better if you have the website. I've done without replays last night. All I saw was like ten replays of uh, that awful defending for the first goal, and then. Apart from our one goal, three Barnsley goals. So, yeah, mm. I could have quite happily done without them last night. Um, right, I'll go next. It's sort of two questions I want your feedback on. So, we've talked about this before, youngsters in particular, how they're different, second teams, this kind of thing. My The, uh, the first question is, it's my nephew's birthday today. He's eight years old. And he, he is a Tottenham fan, big Tottenham fan. Loves Spurs, goes with his dad, but he asked for a QPR shirt for his birthday. Ooh. He's, it's his second team through family influence. So the first part of my question is, do I buy him it? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Which I did. Which I did. All fine. Part two is his cousin, my son, George, is eight years old, QPR fan, season ticket holder. His second team, because of his cousin's influence, oh, is Tottenham. God, I know where you're going with this. Yeah. He would like a Tottenham shirt. Do I buy it for him? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> so get him an Arsenal. Why for one? Why for one and not the other? Because just because that's how it is. Just bribe him and give him like 50 quid for to buy some sweets or something. I don't know. It, it's, um, it's a tricky one, but I think buying anyone a QPR shirt is perfectly acceptable. Buying any other shirt is just wrong, unless it's a team from Belfast. Well, it is. I, I know what you're saying. It is These days, it is slightly different in that kids love shirts. Like they didn't yeah. have them. They didn't have them when we were kids, particularly. Mm. But they love sort of wearing them from anywhere and everywhere. I, I have no worries that he's going to start supporting Tottenham, but he does want a Tottenham shirt. So well, uh, yeah, okay. Well, I mean, you can't, you know. If that, if we'll that's have to see. Want. But I mean, I mean, I, I I wouldn't do it personally. But I, I think if it was like an Accrington Stanley shirt or Clapton FC shirt or somebody in the lower leagues that's no threat and is not a team <laughs> that he could feasibly go and watch in London. Um, but yeah, well, I'd... yes. The, the other one he wants is a Southend United one. Yeah, that's fine. From there, which is sort of just yeah, say, yeah, you, just say you you went on the Tottenham Superstore. They'd run out of all the shirts, but they the, the South End there was loads, so you got that instead. South End home and away. Good, it's a tricky one because it's, well, it's weird because... anyway because they beat us four 0 But at least then, no. I mean the thing is, it's, it's weird because when I was a kid, obviously you know you support your local team, which is the main was. 
Glen Torrin because Wasn't that's it? my new. Yes, that. I never never mentioned it. Never mentioned it. And we couldn't fly over to watch QPR or whatever. Get over to this country, blah blah blah. So you'd, so it's 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 hard for me with two teams because I do support Glen, my main team one hundred percent is QPR. Glen Torrin was a team that I stood up till I was fifteen, watching every game on Terracing. So it's tricky, but. On no circumstances do you buy anyone another English team unless it's non-league in my book, unless it's a QPR show. All right, I've well, got very if quick. Torin, if they, sorry, just one quick question: If you ever had a situation where we had, say, this this, this cup was invented, that's including Ireland as well, and Glen Torin gets drawn against QPR in the third round of the FA English Stroke Irish Stroke Welsh Cup, Anglo Irish Cup. Okay, who would you cheer then? QPR. Definitely. You 100%. cheer a goal, you cheer a QPR goal against Glen Torren and give them some abuse, their fans. Yeah, because QPR is my team. Glen Torren's what I watched when I was a kid and I still love them. But no, my main love is QPR, 100%. Okay. If QPR played Northern Ireland has scored, I support QPR. Uh, I've got a very quick question for you. Just list them. After QPR, list in order the team's results that you look for on a Saturday afternoon. So our game is done. We've won 4-0. Who do you then look for and in what order? Glen Torn, that's that it. Happiness. Is that it? <laughs> is this a non-question? Mine, mine is um, Southend, Barnet, Boreham Woods. Southend, I've just explained. Barnet, where yeah. I used to go a lot when I was a kid. Boreham Woods is around, not too far around the corner. Oh, okay. Mine, mine's Bristol Rovers and Southampton, only because I can have a go at my brother-in-law's if... Uh, Results go well, isn't it? <laughs> are, you, are you from? You're not from. Are you from? You're from London, aren't you? No, no, no. Uh, my wife's family are all from West Country. Ah, okay, got it. I like that. I was looking out for Accrington Stanley, actually. Funny enough, um, not for any reason other than David. You know, it always fascinated me as a kid that they were expelled from the league in yeah. 1968 or whenever it was, and just that sort of rags to riches story. Uh, and and they're they're in they're in seventh place at the moment, or they were just off the playoffs. And I'd I'd, I'd love it for them to, to to go through the ranks and and you know against all the odds type thing. Um, so, sorry, who did you say the team was, Chris? Accrington Stanley. Who are they? Hey, there he is. But the, right. but the thing is, I like Alan's I like Alan's answer. He looks for results to take the piss. I like that. I'm having that, <laughs> and that is the best answer ever. Very good, Finney. What's your R's end? Um, I haven't really. You got don't one. have one. No problem, Alan. Hey. No, but what what I was going to say was, it's really weird because there was a there was a bit last night when they did a a footage of a shot behind the goal when you could see the floodlights shining down, and I actually thought to myself, Ah, fuck! I miss the place. I miss it. Even if we were losing, it's just such a beautiful ground to watch football in. I just I miss it so much. That's my Oz end. Yeah. Your oh, shortest God. ever. And <laughs> go on, Alan. I, to be fair, I haven't got anything. I was going to talk about Willock and how he gets more time, and but we mentioned that earlier. Well, so. My RZN for you is that you're the first person to do this podcast in a conservatory since Jamie Mackey. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie Mackey also did it in his conservatory and I believe also had patchy Wi-Fi at the time. Uh, he's conservatory with the lead piping. That's the question. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Right. Quick predictions for there'll be two games before the next podcast Bristol City 
Wickham Wanderers. Um, how are we getting on in those games? Uh, tricky one, that. Go on, Chris. Um, thanks. I, I'd say a draw at best against Bristol City. Um, yeah, I, I'll, I'll go. I'll go. Uh, not that company. It's like countdown when you say I'll try a risky seven. I'm going to try a risky one all uh, for Bristol City. I hope I'm wrong, but uh, that new manager bounce seems to be working. Apart from apart from last night against Bournemouth. Um, and sorry, uh, Wickham. I, th- I think we should win that. I mean. If we if we could if, if we were going yeah I don't know I, I, if a point was enough to to, to, to keep them up then I, then I, I, I that's one game I wouldn't that's one uh, club I do look out for the results for Wickham actually because of Gareth Ainsworth um, but yeah I'm going to go three one for us thanks they're supposed to be quick fire Chris but we'll, sorry we'll, sorry we'll give you for that um, I regular listeners will know that when I'm not sure I go for one one which is my synonym for not sure we're going to get anything out of the game uh, against Bristol City. I think we are not going to go on a bad run, so I think we will beat Wickham. Wickham will not stay up, whatever romantics think of any kind of run they might go on. Not going to happen, so we will win that game 2-0. Finney? I think we're playing Bristol City completely the wrong time. That is bloody usual. Um, so I think that'll be a hard-fought draw, hopefully a win, but more likely a draw than anything. Wickham reminds me of Swindon, and we all know what happened there. Yeah. I thought you said there was just a podcast was supposed to cheer people up, Finney. <laughs> well, Come the thing is, Scotty, you're too hard then. To be, to be fair, Chris... You've gone on about missing right. the ground, and then, you've, then you're, then you're uh, predicting uh, almost certain back-to-back defeats. No, but the thing is, Swindon couldn't beat an egg and beat us twice. And I think they scored both with both penalties, Alan. Am I right or wrong with that? I can't remember. The one at Loftus Road was definitely a penalty, but I'm not yeah. sure at the counter ground. I believe. I think so. Yeah, I think Alan, so. Yeah. Alan, how do you think we're getting on? <laughs> well, I could, I could cheer everyone up by saying we'll win both games, but um, I'm probably on the draw against Bristol and uh, <laughs> a scrappy win against Wickham. Fair enough. Okay, thank you all. Cheers. Have a yeah, good week, everyone. Um, and thank you all for listening. It's been Open All Arts, the QPR Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>